welcome to Career Caffeine, the weekly podcast for women who feel stuck, burned out, overwhelmed, or just need a little boost of inspiration in their careers. I'm your host, Angela. I'm a professional career mindset coach, corporate dropout, and dog lover. Every Wednesday, I'll release a brand new episode and invite you to grab a cup of coffee or your favorite bevy of choice and listen in where I'll share a little career wisdom, inspiration, advice, and real talk from my own career experiences as a district manager for more than 20 years working for world-class retail brands and as a career mindset coach where I help women just like you who are on the career hamster wheel and are looking for a change. I'll have topics that are like the coffee chats that you have with your work bestie when you need someone to talk to, and I'll have some occasional guests who will also offer tips and strategies to help you to get unstuck so that you can begin to move forward with your goals, dreams, and career aspirations. If you're interested in learning more about coaching and how I can help you to achieve your career goals, check out my website, AngelaKnightCoaching.com, or drop me an email at Angela at AngelaKnightCoaching.com and follow me here on the Career Caffeine Podcast for free on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere your favorite podcasts are found. Welcome to episode number nine, Value-Based Culture in Organizations. I'm your host and career mindset coach, Angela. You guys, I am so excited today to have a special guest on with me. I've got Michelle Schmida, she Schmida, <laughs> she Schmida not, um, Villa Toro on with me today. And so Michelle, I'm going to turn the mic over to you if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do. I think our listeners would really love to hear from you. Hey, Angela and everyone. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here with you all. And you got it right. Michelle Schmida Villatoro, like she might have did it. She might have not. And she probably did. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. So, you know, Michelle, I would love for you to share with us a little bit about, you know, maybe what what brought you into coaching? I always love to hear people's stories and, and what brought them into coaching in the first place. Absolutely. Thanks for asking. So um, my company, Just Think Hospitality, what we do is we work with high growth brands to scale culture, organizational values, and accelerate leadership behaviors. And I actually started um, while I was in finance, this probably 20 some years ago, I coached girls volleyball uh, for junior Olympics on the side, girls travel volleyball. And I loved it. And I thought finance was fine. It paid the bills, but how could I turn coaching into a career? So uh, executive coaching and career coaching wasn't super big back in you know, the early 2000s, like it is now. And so I started my career in uh, a transition from finance to learning and development and in the hospitality and service industries. And then about eight years ago, I found a module, coaching module that I attended called Leadership Potential Training. And I attended the module for myself. I thought this will be great. I love personal growth, professional growth. And what I found was it's great for me, but it's great for everyone. And since I was in the learning and development space anyway, it was an added skill set that I could use 
to help transform not only individuals' lives, but also workplace transformation and organizational lives. Yeah, and that's so important. And I love what you said. And, you know, even just in your, you know, kind of the early start when you fell in love with coaching with girls volleyball, right? And there's different types of coaching. There's a different way to coach. We coach our kids, we coach our families, we coach sometimes sports. But as you mentioned, I think there's such a need for values-based coaching, especially in organizations, right? And there's been so much change and so much of a transformation for organizations and how they've had to pivot so quickly, um, you know, especially in the last year and a half. And so is there anything or like a resource that maybe you have utilized? I know you mentioned to me, there's a, a book by Lee Branham and, you know, seven hidden reasons why employees, you know, leave. And I think, you know, too, the number one reason is because, you know, the job or the workplace really, it wasn't as expected. And, Sometimes I think it's easy for people to say, well, they left for more money or they left because of better benefits or a different location. But sometimes it can be traced back to the organization, whether it's from the values or their leader or not necessarily being in an empathetic environment. So would love to get your perspective on that and maybe how leaders or organizations can connect the dots between leading with empathy and improving overall organizational culture. Fantastic. You know, you you hit it spot on, Angela. We're coming up on two years next month for the pandemic, if you can believe that. So yeah, 4.5 million people left their job in November, and that's up from 4.2 million people in October. So these are huge numbers when we're talking about the great resignation. And I'm sure you've seen some of the studies out there about the great resignation kind of becoming the great reassessment, if you will. And that's the way I like to think about it. Um, I agree with a lot of the theories in, in the book, the seven reasons why employees leave uh, their job. But I also think, you know, it's people don't necessarily always leave their jobs. They leave their bosses or their leaders, especially if they're poor leaders. And so throughout this great resignation, people are reassessing, well, what's important to me? And a lot of things that are coming up is whether it's implicit or explicit, are there values and exploring what's important at work and at life and the work-life balance, because we know how you do anything is how you do everything. And so we're, you know, we're looking at things with the great resignation and the great reassessment, like the whole talent revolution, right? Organizations are restructuring and reorganizing some by choice, some by default, and then reimagining communication and managing an expectation and what that looks like. So there are huge disconnects in that right now. And I think that really progressive organizations are looking at values and how values create culture through by aligning behaviors and then what people are doing. And so now more than ever, this is becoming really, really important. You also hit on uh, the value of empathy and, you know, both Google and McKinsey cited empathy as one of the top leadership skills for leaders in the, in 2020 and 2021. And it's, I'll tell you what, Angela, empathy is not going away. 
but people are upskilling and uh, really training and focusing on empathy as a leadership skill within the organizations now in 2022 as well. You know, you got it. And, you know, empathy, when we think about that, it's not anything that is necessarily taught at a business school. It's not something that is taught when you're going through your orientation or your onboarding or your training or even ongoing. But to your point, it will be one of the number one or the most talked about skills or competencies that future leaders or current leaders will need to pivot and move to the top of their list of priorities in order to retain um, you know, retain people and to retain their employees. And, you know, as you said earlier, it's now turned into from the great resignation to the great reassessment and employees are going to take a lot more time now and consideration into where they want to work to make sure that it's aligned with their values and with their schedule needs and with a leader that empathizes or that can understand or be flexible to what their work requirements or their work environment needs to be like. And so, you know, I would love to hear a little bit more about how you impact organizations and maybe some, some things that you've seen that are commonplace as you go into, you know, to help to rebuild culture and to support leaders, you know, on a, on even on the larger scale. Absolutely. And uh, before I answer that question, Angela, I just want to touch on what you mentioned about um, empathy and how it's not often taught in, in business school or when we're onboarding. And actually, you know what we're seeing now is that some of the most progressive organizations are paralleling empathy skills with leader as coaching skills. And so it is something that now is coming to the forefront that organizations are sharing, especially with their leaders during onboarding. It's Look, it's all about hire, inspire, train and retain right now, right? There's everyone's, there's a war on talent. And so what is different about this organization? It's about what you believe in, right? Values. It's about how people are behaving and and what are the common themes there and what type of culture that's creating and where people want to be. And so they are actually training on these skills for empathy and coaching skills. And so to answer your question about how we impact organizations, So I'm going to start by saying, I think that there's a couple myths about culture that I want to just kind of touch on really quick. So one of the myths that people have about culture is that it includes ping pong tables in the break room and beer on tap for Friday happy hour or, you know, any day. Well, that's fine. And maybe that does create for a fun working environment. That doesn't necessarily create culture. It might create community, but not necessarily culture. We also know that whether you define your culture or not, there is one, right? So it's like we said earlier, it's either implicit or explicit. So the way that we can impact organizations and culture and leaders with a larger scale, there's a couple things happening right now. One, like I said, due to the, the great resignation, the great reassessment, organizations are reorganizing and restructuring. Boom, that's a perfect time to take a look at are your values aligning with your culture and how can we kind of dive into that a little bit more? Another time is, I told you we work with high growth organizations, oftentimes in the service sector, you know, hotels, uh, healthcare, anybody with an end user, right? Clients, customers, 
patients, members, and often uh, these high growth organizations are opening new locations or market and want to scale their culture. So how do they do that? They might be able to keep it in one location or maybe in uh, one market here in New York, but how does that translate to LA or Chicago or even overseas? And so um, what we do is we have our proprietary methodology of how we scale that. Let me give you an example. So I'll paint a picture for, for you. Recently, we worked with this high growth startup and they were able to increase their client satisfaction scores by 15% in only six months while doubling in size using our methodology. Wow. That's really significant. What, you know, and to have something that's tangible and measurable as a result of that, because like you said earlier, right, it culture can be a feel good. And I think sometimes it's mistaken for that. And it's not about games or pizza parties. And like you said earlier, I mean, that brings a community, but culture does, it has such a wider and a broader impact on the overall organizational success and its customers can feel it too. And then you become, or you don't become the employer of choice as a direct result of that and the reputation that the organization has, you know, about the culture that, um, that it embodies or that it portrays. You hit the nail on the head, Angela, when you said employer of choice. We help organizations become both the employer of choice and brand of choice because it is two different sides of the same coin, right? We believe that your employee experience and your employee journey should parallel and match the client or the end user journey. So let me go back to that example, if that's okay, with um, that high growth startup. They had fantastic values that were defined by corporate, they are some focus groups they did around that. And they lived on, uh, in their, their headquarters, posters on a wall, people believed in them, they were aligned, but it wasn't translating to the field or it wasn't translating to the clients. So when we dug in there a little bit more, and, and this might be familiar to, to some people listening, right? Aligned values, but it's, it's not translating. And so we were able to bring those to life by mapping their values to standards and behaviors that demonstrate those. So now people know what to do and how to align and act. what are the standards? What are the non-negotiable operating standards or principles, if you will, um, that create that culture? So the way I like to think of it is ingredients at a Mexican restaurant, right? Oftentimes you'll get beans and rice and cheese and sour cream and lettuce, and you have your choice of shrimp, chicken, or beef, and you might be able to make enchiladas or you might be able to make nachos or a taco. And so even with all the right ingredients, the way that you'd put the recipe together and could put that special sauce on it is what creates the culture that people are looking for. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. And, you know, just like enchiladas or, you know, any kind of food, some people enjoy tacos. Some people enjoy pizza. Some people enjoy sushi. And I think that identifying. And I think that brand message around culture that it, you know, both puts on paper, right? Because like you said, I mean, it's different to have a a culture or a brand strategy, but it's a lot different to put it on paper than to bring it into action. And, you know, the reputation, you know, is out there and employees know, and they know the great companies to work for, or one that at least aligns with their values as a, as an individual and what, matters for them and, you know, and what's a good match. And I think it's important for organizations to, you know, to listen and, you know, what I 
call a lot of, um, you know, like a re-recruiting or a stay interview, right? So that we make sure to retain people versus chasing them out the door on their way out. Like, hey, why are you leaving? And it also becomes, you know, it almost becomes like a separate life form, right? And for people to understand, you know, a little bit about that brand message and what their, again, like what their reputation is about their culture out there. It really does. You know, you mentioned about brand messaging and externally client-facing language creates brand. Internally, you know, with employees, language creates culture. So again, we're paralleling the internal and the external experience. And that's really what we want to do. And that's really what a good organization does. But we believe that if we focus on individuals and who they are, and not just what they do and how they do it, but who they are and help them become their best self, that that is actually one of the key ingredients that leads to workplace transformation. Absolutely. And, you know, the who decisions and the who um, actions have the greatest impact on any organization and their success. So I, I agree with you completely. And so if I'm listening to this episode right now, um, what advice would you give to any of our listeners today that if they're thinking to themselves, like, yeah, that's, that's me, like, I, you know, I don't feel good about my culture, or I have concerns about my boss or my work schedule or my workload or anything that they feel impacts their experience of culture, what advice would you give to someone that's listening right now about something they could do to make a difference? Thanks for that question, Angela. The first thing that I will say to anyone, and this is both for individuals and for organizations, I would say define the values that are important to you. Once you know your values, your guiding principles, align your decisions to those as if it was a North Star. And that could be any decision. When you define your values, that can help you in your personal relationships, your professional relationships. It helps me parent, be a better mother to my child. And it helps me guide the way that we run um, just think hospitality and the employees and, and the coaches and facilitators within just think hospitality, as well as how we align ourselves with values-based clients so that we're on the same page, right? So I would give that advice to anyone. I think if you align your values like a North Star, it can avoid some of the things that we're seeing right now, which is burnout. It can avoid um, the challenges that people are having with work-life balance. I think that instead of running from something, if you align your values, you're running to something. And that feels really good. And that feels a lot more expansive it comes from a place of abundance as opposed to a place of lack. So instead of, I, well, I don't want this culture, well, what do you want? What are the values that are important to you? And how do you find an organization that values the same thing or with your partner or with you know, anything? So that's the advice that I would give. Okay, great. And, you know, as you're working with organizations and, you know, I'm sure you have regular conversations with its leaders or its executive teams what have been some common themes that you've noticed to help them to diagnose maybe some of the root causes? And do you feel that there was an awareness around them before, before maybe you stepped in to support? That's a great question, Angela. 
And, you know, we believe, you know, as coaches that the number one leader, the number one trait of good leaders is acute awareness of self and others, right? So we often work with clients who want to go from good to great or accelerate their growth to become the brand of choice, employer of choice, and that sort of thing. So most of the time they're aware of what's going on and they may have some ideas about how to improve it, but they don't know exactly what to do or you know, look with any client, it's always either buy, build or partner, right? What can you do internally? How do you want to partner with somebody or what are you going to buy from a, from a vendor? And so sometimes you might have a coaching or learning and development arm internally, but even with a learning and development arm or coaching arm internally, they will often come to us to validate their diagnosis. So we'll do some discovery and focus groups. That's often our phase one, maybe even some one-on-one interviews with the senior leadership team to align or agree on the diagnosis or or the problem. And then I think the key is co-creating the solution. We do, we have a couple of turnkey solutions with some hospitality programs or um, a train the trainer program, but most of the work that we do is co-creating the solution. And that makes it a not off the shelf and not a one size fits all, but a real personalized, customized solution specific to this client that is co-created. So there's already buy-in from everyone involved And then we go to implementation and execution. Once we go to implementation and execution, and that takes different forms. It could be leadership coaching. It could be one-on-one coaching, peer coaching. It might be a leader's coach cohort. It could be some hospitality workshops or a combination of any or all the above. Once we do that, what's the sustainability mechanism? And so look, we're not about inspirational junk food, right? Like <laughs> there's, a plenty of that, there's plenty of that out there and it's, you know, it's great, but we really want it to be sticky and be sustainable. So it has to be something that's easy to understand, immediately applied and then massaged. And so we really hold our clients' hands as much as they want us to until they're able to do it internally on their own. Our goal is for our clients to be self-sustainable. And so not only will we co-create the solution for you, we'll build the tools, help you implement them, and then off you go. The tools are yours to keep. And we have had great success for years now. Clients have been continuing to implement some of the programs or um, customized solutions that we've brought to them. You know, and that's fantastic, Michelle. And I think one of the key things you said is co-creation, right? Because that gets to the root of culture and values and, you know, the collaborative process instead of, you know, (laughs) it's going to be my way or the company's way or no way, right? Which sort of negates the entire purpose. So I think the co-collaboration part is so important. And then also the sustainability, because as you mentioned, you know, you could go in and, and you know, do some inspirational, motivational messages or workshops. And, and that's great. And that has some terrific short-term benefits, but where you get the long-term traction and the long-term benefit is the sustainability. And, you know, and I think recognizing that, of course, there'll be bumps along the way. And I think people or organizations need to allow themselves to, you know, have a little bit of grace as, you know, as well as their employees. But I think any any employee of a company that shows that they're listening, that they care, they're making an effort, and they're trying to pivot to 
what the new challenges or the new normal is, whether it's offering hybrid schedules or, you know, whatever the needs are, but as long as they're listening and truly listening and taking action, I think they're a lot more likely to get buy-in and more of that long-term sustainability, um, which, you know, is so important. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, it's my pleasure. You're right on with the listening. I mean, that's the art of listening is the first step of, of empathy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So even whether they're having internal or external, even some listening circles and asking the employees, look, we all know the best ideas come from the people who do the work, right? It doesn't come from somebody that sits in an ivory tower somewhere. So ask people, and even if they're not coming to us, co-create the solution internally. It's amazing what you'll find when you just ask. You're exactly right. You know, and I think you have a really, really good point there because you can consult with, you know, external companies like you and you have such valuable insight and a very objective perspective and point of view, as long as to your point, you're co-collaborating with not only the leadership team, but the people that are actually in the trenches, they're doing the work every day, they're experiencing the result of that culture whether it's good, not so good, or maybe has a lot of work to do. And we always support what we help to create, right? And, you know, I think the companies that show the effort and the attempt to listen and to collaborate with, you know, its associates or its employees, you know, hey, we're all on one team together. You know, it really does. It makes a huge, a huge difference to everybody. And, you know, like you said earlier, I mean, I think now more than ever, people are going to need to include empathy as part of their ongoing competencies, which, you know, traditionally has not been a part of, you know, a measurable, like something you would see on a review, you know, but as you mentioned, you know, it is now becoming mainstream. It's becoming normal. It's becoming expected, you know, along with that unspoken competency of reputation and people have more of a choice now than ever before of where they want to work. And, you know, a lot of companies are having to, you know, to reassess and to reevaluate. So what have been, if you don't mind, maybe just sharing a couple of examples of some maybe long-term benefits that you've seen from some of the organizations that you've helped. Absolutely. Thanks for that. So some of the benefits, what we do is our agenda is whatever our client's agenda is, right? And so we also, whatever whatever it gets measured gets done. So metrics may vary. I will tell you that oftentimes our clients' agenda or metrics may be to have increased uh, or improved guest satisfaction or client satisfaction scores or MPS. So that might be something that we focus on. Perhaps we're doing the flip side of that and they're looking at employee engagement or employee retention or reducing turnover. Um, Sometimes it may be boosting performance, bridging communication gaps and accelerating results among the leadership team. So I'll I'll tell you, Angela, the results vary, but I can tell you one thing. We have a 99% success rate of meeting or exceeding our clients' expectations. And so we always hit the nail on the head. There was one time early on when we first started Just Think Hospitality that I I took on a client that said he wanted to do a customer service initiative and quote unquote, fix his people. 
but the, <laughs> the CEO was not really bought in to the process. And so our, our philosophy is an inside out approach, right? Treat your employees the way you want the employees to treat you know, your end user. And he just wanted customer service training, but didn't want employee engagement training. And you know, since then I have, le- that was a learning moment for us. And we, like I said, we only take on values aligned clients. So just like our clients will vet us, we'll vet them because they're, you know what, even whatever the metric is that we're using to increase or improve or whatever it might be, there's a ton of byproducts that come with that. And so there's a lot of residual improvements or results that weren't even on the original uh, scope of work that we've seen our clients have results on. So pretty cool stuff. Wow. That is powerful. And, you know, to your point about being aligned with the message and with what you do, as well as what their expectations are. And sometimes it gets screwed up along the way. And sometimes you have to start the coaching process at the very top, like with, you know, the vetting process. And like you said, somebody that comes to you with a mission or a goal of fixing their employees. I can only imagine uh, what a um, interesting conversation that must have been to navigate through, even if it was, you know, in your mind or trying to think, well, gosh, how am I going to get, you know, I could see right now why, you know, culture might be a challenge in this company if they think all of their employees are broken, right? So, you know. Lessons learned, lessons learned, right? We all have them. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. But, you know, and I bet you were a great support for him and probably shared some really valuable aha moments and, you know, benefited him in ways that, you know, you may not even realize or, or know. And so good for you. That's an amazing example. So thank, you know, thanks for sharing that. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. And so, my gosh, I bet there's a lot of people out, you know, that are listening right now that would love to know how to get in touch with you or if they wanted to work with you, how would they do that? Would you mind sharing, you know, how we can get in touch with you? Absolutely. Amazing, Angela. Thank you. And I would love to chat with anyone listening. So, hit me up, right? As they say, I can be reached. That's the way to get in touch with me is email. And you can email me at michelle2ls at justthinkhospitality.com. I can also be reached on my phone. I am old school. I do pick up the phone and on new school, you can text me at 239-634-0881. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Um, And and I I speak around town here and there. So maybe I'll be at a city near you sometime. Oh my gosh. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for being on. And for our listeners out there, I'll include her contact information and website info and all the links in the show notes today. And, you know, as always, you know, may your cup always be filled with amazing possibilities. Michelle, thank you again for being on. And um, is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners before, before we wrap up for today? Angela, I'm so grateful to be here with you and all the like-minded people that are on the call today. So thank you for allowing Angela and I to have a candid conversation about empathy and culture and values. And look, we're still in this pandemic, wherever we are. We're almost out of it, right? I hope we think. And so just use your values as your North Star and they you won't go wrong. I love it. I love it. And thank you again. I think that's a great way to sign off. And um, you guys, again, thank you so much for listening and um, tune in for, or actually take a look at the show notes for all the links and contact info. Thanks for listening. 